There are currently officially 14 British Overseas Territories, but who is the mysterious man behind the Friends of the British Overseas Territories? Let's find out. My name is Reem Ibrahim and I am the events coordinator here at the wonderful Friends of the British Overseas Territories. We are a charity that advocates and support the uh, British Overseas Territories. We try and educate the public as well as different policymakers about the different issues that are facing the Overseas Territories as well as their strong cultural links and ultimately we believe that they are an important and integral part of the British family. I am absolutely delighted to be joined by the wonderful Philip Smith. Philip Smith is the CEO of FOTBOT. He founded our wonderful charity back in 2013 and I am absolutely delighted to be joined. Philip, hello, how are you? Hello, Reem. I'm very well. Are, are you? you? Well, I am very well and I'm more happy now that you are here with me, Philip. <laughs> Amazing. So, Philip, I just wanted to start off by, you know, I want to hear a little bit about what the British Overseas Territories actually are, because often when I talk about the um, the, the fact that I volunteer with the with the friends of the British Overseas Territories, a lot of people sort of assume uh, various different things. A lot of people actually have no idea what they are. Um, so, could you tell me just a little bit about what they actually are? Sure. Um, so, the British Overseas Territories are. Um, places that uh, make up the wider uh, United Kingdom family. Um, they spread across the globe. There are 16 places that are still part of the UK. So um, what that means is that they um, are essentially, um, how to describe it? So they, they, defence and foreign affairs is still uh, the responsibility of the United Kingdom government um, and uh, the overseas territories um, rely upon uh, the UK for representation in various forums, for example, the Commonwealth Ream, um, their, their membership comes through the United Kingdom. So uh, each overseas territory is very unique. Some are um, uh, huge places. For example, British Antarctica uh, is several times larger than the United Kingdom. But then on the other extreme, you've got a place like the Pitcairn Islands, which is less than 50 people that live <laughs> there. So uh, yeah, the United Kingdom, and, and ultimately though, what what is part of the what is an overseas territory. Um, is not to uh, be confused. Incidentally, a friend of ours would be upset if anyone confused them for the Channel Islands or the Crown Dependencies. Um, but they are, um, they're, they're what's, they're, uh, th those that have a civilian population Reem, are what have chosen to remain British. Uh, for example, the Falkland Islands have voted in referenda to stay part of the United Kingdom. Absolutely, and I think what's particularly interesting for me, at least, so I... I have no connection to the British Overseas Territories um, by blood or even really by, uh, by culture in terms of where my family are from. But what I found particularly interesting as a political libertarian is this idea behind voluntarism and self-determination. And ultimately, that's really what attracted me to uh, the British Overseas Territories is that they actually, you know, every single British Overseas Territory has chosen 
to remain part of the British family. And I think ultimately that's what's so wonderful um, about them is that they really are a voluntary family where they've all decided to be part of a part of our wonderful, wonderful British family. So um, that's interesting. I also think that, you know, just talking to other people that are sort of of my political persuasion in terms of um, sort of liberalism and these particular ideas, actually, you know, the, the British overseas territories themselves uh, take the Falkland Islands, for example, probably one of the most legitimate governments, you know, in the world. And I think really that's how we get people on side. But but obviously FOTBOT is a is a charity, so it's non-party political, to my understanding. Is that correct? That is correct, William, yes. So we're non-party political and advocate for the British overseas territories across um, all political parties and all political persuasions. And I think that this idea behind voluntarism is really how we get everyone on side in, in, in order to ensure they believe that the British overseas territories are important. So, Philip, let's rewind for a moment. We're going to go back to 2013. You've decided that you want to found this wonderful charity. Could you tell me a, bit, a, bit, a little bit about the story behind that? I, yes, certainly. Um, so this is a, uh, quite a few years before we met, Reem. Um, so uh, um, uh, this is going back a long time. But, quite a um, few years before I was even allowed in a bar, Philip. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, although you had been born. By, I uh, had been born, yes, uh, that's I think, uh, I think uh, you, you've certainly been born. So um, yes, 2013. So well, um, there is a we share a mutual friend uh, by the name of Gregory Rodwell, and um, I... Um, have uh, long been associated. Greg, Greg's been into geology. Uh, my passion has always been um, a conservation theme, and um, if I'm honest, travelling. I've enjoyed tra- going to uh, islands. I've always been fascinated by uh, islands. How many culture. countries have you been to in your life? Uh, so far, 32. Wow, um, that's impressive. Uh, it's uh, it's 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 getting up there. But back then, my um, the first place I ever visited was only. Uh, not few, not that long after where you are, shall we say, Remus, and I was 19 years old, and that was the first time I ever got on a plane, and it was to Gibraltar. So um, that um, uh, first time, I should say, I got on the plane on my own uh, to Gibraltar because I have travelled uh, several times with my father, but we never flew um, ah. to Gibraltar. So. That um, you know, so I've been a regular to um, Gibraltar mm-hmm. um, with my dad, and that's to answer your question. That's where my interest originally came from because when I was a uh, uh, teenager and growing up, um, I spent um, a lot of time travelling. My dad's a historian, a mm-hmm. history teacher, and we both uh, went to Gibraltar. And ah, fellow I, historian. <laughs> yes, I fell, fell in love with the place, and. Um, my dad was doing this, some research there, and um, eventually I, um, I, got, I made friends there. Back then I was quite the social butterfly and um, um, got chatting to people of a similar uh, age to me. Um, and um, once it became apparent that there was not an organisation that represented just the UK overseas territories, there's loads of several Commonwealth groups, but nothing dedicated to mm-hmm. just the British overseas territories, um, you could say I did the typical Yorkshire thing where I'm from, which is I thought I can do that. I'm passionate about it. It's something I'm passionate about. And you must be as a volunteer, as you know, being a volunteer yourself in Fortbot Ream, you've got to be passionate mm-hmm. and engaged. And that's when I set, um, thought I could set something up. And it was through, and then I went on a walk in the Yorkshire Dales with this, this chap called Greg. 
and we um, came up with the idea of, of Friends of the British Overseas Territories. Um, and I want to say the rest is, is history. <laughs> well, well, that's the thing. That's a wonderful story. Really, it came from your passion for the, for the Overseas Territories and also you know, your own personal experience. I think it's quite a beautiful story, actually, because it really shows the, you know, the sort of cultural importance that the British Overseas Territories have for many, many of us Brits. And ultimately, I mean, look, if you speak to anybody um, from the 80s, they will tell you, like, sort of from the 80s, anybody that, ha- you know, sort of was an adult or um, cognitively functioning in the 80s, they will tell you about the Falkland Islands. And it's probably one of the, at least in recent history, one of the most... Um, you know, politically important moments for, for Britain, but also I think for, for British patriotism and in terms of this sort of feeling of togetherness, I think, you know, the Falkland Islands War was probably one of the most important parts of that in recent history. And if you, you know, I th- most people will have heard of Gibraltar because mm-hmm. of the um, particular political issues regarding the UK's exit from the European Union. And, you know, most people will have heard of maybe the Cayman Islands, for example. But of course, there are these other British overseas territories that don't get enough love. And they don't get enough, you know, I guess, media attention, but also mm. um, important. So how, how did you sort of decide, okay, so you had this interest in Gibraltar. Mm. Why did you decide that actually it was every British overseas territory you wanted to represent? Um, so it was really through the fact that I didn't want to um, just um, cut off the fa- uh, knowing that um, there was a need to have a support network in place for Gibraltarians. Mm. I, I took that presumption, you could say, and thought, well, that surely would be the case for other overseas territories. And I've never liked to do things in half measures, Reem. Um, I've, uh, I've always thought if I'm going to do something for an overseas territory, I should try and support them all. And that's really mm-hmm. where it came from. So... Um, you, you mentioned Cayman Islands a moment ago. Yes, people have heard of the Cayman Islands, but they will have heard of the, uh, perhaps heard of it for the wrong reasons. Because you'll find in a certainly around the UK general election time, um, MPs from both parties sometimes like to use uh, the Cayman Islands as a political uh, uh, football to uh, say about tax haven and all this. That's simply not the case, Reem. And it does, uh, it does, uh, it does anger me actually in the sense that. Um, having been to the Cayman Islands, there is poverty there. There is people that are, uh, need help and need social housing. Yes, there are people that are very well off. Yes, there are people um, you know that own yachts and ships and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are so those people also live in London, Reem. Um, but there is also poverty. So something Fortbot tries to do is kind of uh, give people the the, the, the full picture. Full, full, full picture. Yeah, yeah. And I think what's, that's what's interesting about the Cayman Islands in particular is that you know we can you know a lot of the presumptions about the Cayman Islands is that they are a tax haven of course having um no capital gains tax no income tax and uh, no corporation tax um, but ultimately they still have consumption taxes they still have incre- and actually probably some of the highest in the world their VAT is incredibly well, high if I heard from my saving, so yeah, you, you, you've hit the nail on the head, and I know tax is a big issue. Uh, <laughs> uh, subject, for me, for me personally, yeah. yes. Uh, I've, I've heard for uh, uh, I, uh, we both share friends at the Taxpayers Alliance. Yes, and, uh, indeed. Um, and but, of course, where I my day job at the Institute of Economic Affairs. Indeed, indeed. Um, so um, 
what I would say to you is if anyone who's listening to this goes to the Cayman Islands, um, you will pay a fortune in consumption. So, yes, there is no um, um, what is it, P- personal uh, PAYE. There's Indeed. None. So, yes, on paper, it looks amazing because, oh, you, you don't get taxed on your income. However, you go to any supermarket in the Cayman Islands and the cheapest meal you can get is a microwavable meal at £10. It's because that's where the government gets taxed. It's a different tax system. They get their tax through consumption, not you know, not through the, the way we do UK. That doesn't make it any better or worse than the way we are taxed. It's it's just it's different. Well, yes, indeed. A mm. of different political persuasions. But I think what's interesting is that um, there are these kind of misconceptions. So I mean, Philip, you know, we've spoken a little bit about how you came to found Fotbot and then of course why you were so interested in these particular um, these particular islands, these particular British overseas territories. Could you tell me, I mean, tell me the story. You know, you, so you've decided then with Greg that you want to found this charity and mm-hmm. represent not just Gibraltar, where you had um, particularly positive personal experiences of, but actually you wanted to found a charity for every single British overseas territory. What, you know, how did that go about logistically? How did that yeah, go sure. About? So um, I, I would just clarify one thing, Mimi. So we don't represent, yes. we promote. Sorry, um, yes. No, no, it's, you know, it's, it's you know, just, just want to make that clear because, yeah, so each overseas territory has their own government offices. We're uh, most, uh, most of them based in, in, in London. What Footbot does, um, and I think we do it better than any other organisation, is we promote the overseas territories with the UK, uh, uh, with 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 your the person on the street, you could say. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, the way I went about this is I wrote a letter at the time to every overseas territory UK office rep. Mm-hmm. Um, some um, I didn't hear from, but others did get back to me and then some were very kind and offered me a meeting and then essentially and one of them was um one of our trustees Albert Poggio um MBE he he um was the Gibraltar UK representative for 28 years and Albert was kind enough to say he likes the idea but wanted to give me some signposting and direction and I welcome that because I knew I was coming into this in a totally new way and if you're the new kid on the block you don't necessarily want to upset people that are already established and I, I wanted to you know so I did also message um a Conservative MP at the time and a Labour MP just to get their opinions because uh, but once you know everyone clarified to me that they all they all said they welcomed this this organization mm-hmm. but they wanted to kind of give me guidance and support so so that's how it all got going and then we had a launch event six months after um established football in july 2013 but it wasn't Reem until april 2014 that we secured charity status ah so the, for the first year football was um was a company oh, actually wow. because um i i had no idea legally um what it should have been because it was an idea but it quickly became apparent and then it was it was about it was six months after I established Fotbot that I'm sorry nine months after I established Fotbot that I met another one of our trustees Andrew Fox and Andrew was kind enough as well to give me advice and support and um we realized we both realized that Fotbot was very much it has a charitable objective and goal mm-hmm. and that's what we've been for ever since so really, we should have another anniversary next year. 
and then yeah. next year we should have our anniversary of actually being registered as a charity. That's, yes. that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so, Philip, could you tell me a bit about, so you've sort of spoken a bit about the way in which you founded the charity. Now, this year marked 10 years since the um, founding of the British Overseas Territories charity that you so kindly founded. Could you tell me a bit about the significance of that? I mean, what have you achieved in the last 10 years? Oh, I mean, I don't want to keep uh, your your listeners too too long, Liam, because we've uh, the truth is we've achieved so much. Every year I've ran football, it has grown beyond expectation. Um, the di- I, I I jokingly say to many people that the year that football doesn't grow is the year I will stand down. And and sometimes uh, for for rest purposes, uh, it'd be nice to take a break. But the truth <laughs> it's is, every, every year. it grows every year. Mm. So football, we've, we, for example, one example I'll give is that we've helped a student from the British Virgin Islands um, save, uh, they were incorrectly being charged £9,000 a year, uh, sorry, £18,000 a year, mm-hmm. and they should have been charged nine grand. Because so they are, they are British part citizens. of the British family. Um, we've also um, donated, um, 2017 we've gave fire over £5,000 to charity that was uh, rebuilding in the BVI from Hurricane Irma. Um, disaster release. We've also supported the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds to help them eradicate um, rat infestation on Gough Island. We've given money to the Montserrat Trust. And this year, as you'll know, Reem, we're, we're, we're raising money for a pet playground in Montserrat. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year, we, we raised over £8,000 for the Falkland Islands Museum. So, the, I, you know, these are all things that Thoughtbot has achieved. Um, but I'm really proud mostly of our face-to-face events because that's where we're raising awareness. And I will give you a statistic, Reem. Um, in the early years of Thoughtbot, we attended Freshers' Fairs and one in four students that, of the universities we attended thought the British Virgin Islands was an American overseas territory. Oh, really? I mean, they, they of course, do have... The American Virgin Islands. The American Islands. Virgin Islands. It's in the name, the, the British Virgin British, Islands. Not the British um, Virgin Islands, indeed. So really no. it's about, I mean, obviously, you know, tackling misinformation, ensuring that people are aware of um, of the British overseas territories. But, I mean, you know, you, you know you're know, a humble man from Yorkshire, and you I'm have... I'm from Yorkshire, that's true, yeah. That's true, and not quite humble. Greg, Greg would uh, disagree with you on the humble bit, yeah. You're, you know, you're... you're, you're, you're you're a young man from Yorkshire and you've been able to grow an incredibly successful team of volunteers and ultimately it's been a charity that's been incredibly successful in the past decade and hopefully for decades to come. Um, but I think it's really interesting the way that you found these kind of ideas and the way that you actually came about the British Overseas Territories and actually thought, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do something to support them. Yes, no, it's like, a, and I say this to anyone who volunteers, you know, you've got to be passionate about the subject, otherwise, it, you know, you, 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 it won't be successful. You've, And I've, since day one, and because it, it can be stressful, oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm, thankfully, I've, you know, I've, uh, Albert, Andrew Fox, Simon Leary are our three trustees, so I've got their support I've also got the support of a wonderful management committee. So it isn't just a one-man band. In its early days, it felt like that because you're establishing mm-hmm. something from scratch, Ream. Um, but Thoughtbot, we've got over 400 members. Uh, the management committee is about 15 people now, which you're, you're on, uh, as you'll know, Ream. Um, so it's, you know, but, 
you know, it, if you feel, I, I always say, if you feel you're making a difference, um, it, it's worth doing. And the truth is, when I have those days where I'm a bit stressed or Fotbot's not going according to plan, I do remember it does make a positive yeah. impact. Um, and it's always good to challenge the status quo. I, I would be lying if I said that everyone universally welcomed their Fotbot's presence, because mm -hmm. let's just say there are people that feel that Fotbot might tread on their toes a bit. Well, the answer is good, because Fotbot is here to make a difference and we to support the people of the overseas territories. And we don't mind, because uh, none of us are paid, we, you know, there is no, uh, the, you know, we cannot be controlled no, in, in that indeed. respect. So we, ha we can be independent with volunteers. And we recently came back from a trip uh, to St. Helena and we made a huge difference whilst we were there and got to know so many people. And um, uh, we will be having an announcement later this year on uh, the charity, on the projects we'll be supporting mm -hmm. next year. And it will be St. Helena themed, I believe. Oh, wonderful. That's, that's really good to hear. Um, so, Philip, I wanted to talk strategy. So, as the CEO of Fotbot, of course, there are multiple aims that the charity seek to achieve. Um, one of which is, of course, you know, you know, of course, it's an educational charity. So the primary aim is to educate. But to whom is, I think, particularly interesting. And actually, one of the reasons why I was so attracted to football is actually I learned so much about um, how you seek to influence um, different stakeholders. Now, we obviously include um, the public and, you know, through this podcast and hopefully informing people through our webinars, through our events. But how did you start to go about influencing politicians? Um, so we started by um, connecting. We, have, uh, we, we set up something called Parliamentary Advisors, which um, uh, we uh, from Labour and Conservative, but we started doing engagement events. We we've attended Labour Party conference, Conservative Party conference. We met politicians. Um, we don't focus too much on politicians because we are primarily focused on the UK public. Mm -hmm. But we do need political support. So we do have um, Andrew Gwynn from Labour, um, for example, is is our Labour parliamentary advisor, and is. Uh, we've recently appointed uh, Lord Bellingham from the House of Lords and um, the former First Minister of Northern Ireland, would you believe, Liam? I know, Arlene it's Foster, um, so one of your colleagues. We love, we love Arlene. Um, She's, of course, on, uh, social on, media. on, uh, on multiple we, we uh, news channels. I won't name the names, but we know, we know which ones we're talking about. Indeed. Um, and I think it's particularly interesting, purely because, you know, people like Arlene Foster aren't necessarily, you know, what you would consider um, interested in... Well, I've, I've never really heard her speak about um, the importance of self-determination or the importance of um, the British family. And yet they all, all of these people share this common interest, but also believe that this is a cause worth, worth supporting. They do, and that's the thing. What unites people to Fotbot is that everyone shares um, the, the belief in self-determination. Mm -hmm. The only people we would not welcome to our charity is those that are enemies of the overseas territory. So, <laughs> if so you, really anybody is welcome, unless you are an enemy of the, the it, British That's Texas it. Territory. You know, people, um, you know, we're, 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 we're a charity governed by the charity, as is the IEA by the... Um, 
Charities Commission for England and Wales, mm -hmm. we have, of course, to adhere to uh, set principles, and we do. And um, football is only as, uh, is as strong as it is now because we are cross-party. But what we vehemently uh, will always defend is self-determination. So whether it's um, one or two quarters from Argentina or the Spanish government sabre-rattling or it's other countries, you name it, if they are attacking the overseas territories, FOTBOT will be defending them and will be reminding them that in the UN Charter... Every, every place has its has its enshrined right self determination. Indeed, absolutely. Indeed, yeah. yeah, and I think it's interesting the way that's sort of amalgamated in, uh, in in sort of modern politics. Of course, one of the challenges of um, running a charity, especially one that you know does tread the line between um, sort of it's it's a very difficult line to tread between politics and ultimately running an educational charity. How have you, how did you manage that? I mean, you know, how did you ensure um, that the charity wasn't too political? How did that all work? Because we stood away from, for example, um, where it gets so political, I will defer the honourable member, you could say, to the overseas office in question. So mm -hmm. we do not, um, I'm often asked, for example, what's Fotbot's opinion on MPs for the overseas territories? I say Fotbot does not have an opinion. As a, you, you, there are people that are for that, there are people that are against that. Football does not take a view, um, and you know we see that as a political matter. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I guess as a charity, we believe that the people should decide. That's it. Uh, the only time football would take a view is, for example, if there was a referendum in Gibraltar, um, or a party was elected. And incidentally, Gibraltar's got a general election on at the moment. But if that party won based on, say, they wanted an MP, mm -hmm. that's different. But um, each overseas territory, there are 16 of them. You know, they're, they're all very different. And it's had... Um, in the, there is an organisation called UCOTA, the United Kingdom Overseas Territories Cons uh, Association. You could say that's the internal diplomatic circle so that each rep will meet uh, every couple of weeks or months to talk about um, you know, joint lines so the, and they meet every year with their ministers or the chief ministers or the premiers to they come to the UK for the joint ministerial council room and um, that's all stuff football does not get involved in but what we do do is if we will promote messages um, that they want that cross uh, that are non-political. Mm -hmm. That's that's where football comes in. We will promote a specifically, or should I say, especially we around conservation and wildlife mm -hmm. and biodiversity, because 95% of the UK biodiversity comes from our overseas territories. Oh, absolutely. And we've just seen, well, we've just had our um, recent uh, conservation webinar, which was uh, hosted by yours truly. Indeed. And um, it's a shameless plug. But it, I think it's particularly interesting looking at the way, you know, I think it's, it's something like 97%, I, I might have that statistic wrong, but it's, you know, more than 90% of, you know, the, the British family's uh, biodiversity comes from the British Overseas Territories. Yes. And I used to think it was 80%, so we're, it's, between it's, us we can say it's 90 it's or about, 95. I, I, I do believe it's over 90, but I could be yeah. wrong. We, we can check that statistic. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I think that's interesting, looking at the way, the, you know, the real importance of the British Overseas Territories. But also, I mean, you know, we've spoken about the cultural importance of them. We've spoken about the, the sort of heritage portion of that, and of course, primarily the importance of self-determination. But there is also um, the, you know, just on the British side, the strategic element of the British Overseas Territories. Yes. Um, so the the fact is, um, 
for example, uh, when we were um, attacking Libya or Iraq, that was only possible because of the sovereign base areas in Cyprus. So our bombers were leaving from those airfields, whether you agreed or not, mm -hmm. disagreed. It wouldn't be just possible without the, and the overseas be territory. And it wouldn't be, you know, and, and it... It, you know, there are, it's true to still say that the sun never sets on the British overseas territories. Thank you, Pitkin Islands. Um, <laughs> and, you know, each overseas territory um, brings something very unique. to. You, I've just ordered um, uh, three jars of honey from the Pitkin Islands. Mm -hmm. really. It will take six, smallest, six months smallest to get here. Smallest population, <laughs> is that what it yes. is? Smallest population? Yes. I mean, so when I first joined, this is a bit more anecdotal, but when I first joined the British, uh, the Friends of the British Overseas Territories as a member, not as a volunteer, I remember speaking to um, somebody from our comms team, who was a mutual friend of ours, actually how I was introduced to the charity. And I remember him telling me about the Pitcairn Islands, and I was just absolutely fascinated. Well, I mean, I'm glad you really... are, me, because um, hopefully one day you'll be joining Fort Morton a visit. Oh, to the God, I mean, how, how long will that take? Um, it'll take about five days to get there. But, we, <laughs> but the, the good news is we have to go via French Polynesia. Ah, um, so more travel, which more, is fun. Which, yes. I think, well, yeah. I think that, so, well, the reason why I was so interested is... Um, you know, the, the Pitcairn Islands have a particularly rich history. The, you know, obviously the, the, the Polynesians were there and there is still sort of um, evidence of, of their, their existence on the island because of uh, sort of graphics with uh, uh, sort of, uh, what are they called? <laughs> graphics within the, within the cave. Mm. Um, uh, outlinings or like, you know, sort of pencil drawings, that kind yes, of thing. Yes, well, I've got the, the, the modern um, Pitcairn Islands are where we're, uh, the descendants of the mutiny on the indeed, on the indeed. bounty. So when the Mel the, Gibson movie, by the way, Reem, in the nineteen eighties. Absolutely. So of mm. course, when those when those individuals from you know as a result of the mutiny, the bounty uh, went to the islands, they also discovered you know that Polynesian. Um, uh, what are they called? Think of the word like hieroglyphics, but that's Egyptian. Yeah, you know what I'm I, talking I, about. I, I do. I, I believe so. Yes. Carvings the yeah. word anyway. Irrelevant. Yeah. Point being, this is, you know, it really is a time capsule on an island. And, you know, the, 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 the inhabitants at the moment speak, you know, an amalgamation of um, old 19th century sailor speak and um, some other sort of Asian influences. So I think it's interesting the way in which the British Overseas Territories has so much diversity and so much culture and history and I think that it's important that we preserve that, but also share that with the world. And I think ultimately that's, you know, the sort of the sort of aim of, of this charity. That's it. I mean, the aim, um, our charitable objective is to raise awareness of the British overseas territories. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're, it's on, it's on the tin, so to speak. And that's what we do, Reem. Indeed. Mm. So, Philip, um, before I let you go, can you tell me what was, so in the 10 years the 10 years of you running this incredibly successful charity, what is the most... What, what, what time were you most proud? Tell me Tell me the time. Apart from when you came on board, were you? Oh, well, of course, when I, when I came onto the committee, of course, that's number one. But, you know, close second. <laughs> close second, OK, right. Um, so... Um, I was so proud of the day that Fortbot raised money for Anguilla, the British Virgin Islands, um, and the Turks and Caicos Islands to help them recover from the Hurricane Irma disaster, because we were helping literally to get food parcels handed out on the ground. That 
sums up how football makes a difference. Basic thing to many, perhaps, but it was, you know, people had lost their houses, they'd lost their shelter and football. The charity that came out of yours truly's head, you know, <laughs> has, has actually made a positive difference on the ground. Absolutely. And uh, if you don't mind me asking, Philip, what, is the, what has been the biggest challenge that Fotbot as a charity has faced? Um, changing perceptions, I would say, has been a big challenge, Reem, um, because people, especially the British media, can be very much... Uh, you, you know, poli and poli politicians are very guilty of this saying, making out the Cayman Islands is a tax haven. And mm -hmm. that, so getting people to understand that that's not what the Cayman Islands is and other overseas territories... I say I mentioned there is poverty there, for example. Um, it's, it's been it's been difficult, and the chat. Of course, there's been a few times where you know people because um, we have we we're not the new kids on the block anymore, Reem. We've been going for ten years, but I still feel like we are uh, ruffling a couple of feathers, if I'm honest. Indeed. But um, we don't intend to do that, other than the fact that we are um, we're here to stay and we're we're making a difference and. One day, um, hopefully that day won't be too far off, Fotbot will be succeeded, the CTO will be succeeded, um, I will pass on the baton to the next generation and Fotbot will continue to grow and develop under future leadership. Hopefully not too soon, Philip, we'll miss you too much. <laughs> well, we'll see about that, Rune, but I... I Maybe we'll know, stay on in an advisory um, role. Um, <laughs> Never say never, never but say uh, never. it's it's. Uh, I always believe in whatever you do in any organisation. Part of the success is who's there to take over from Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And football must be because football. Um, unlike there were people that thought football was just a flash in the pan or would be here today, gone tomorrow. That's not the case, Reem, and football will years. outlive me. Absolutely. And this year, to mark the uh, ten-year anniversary of the Friends of the British Overseas Territories, we launched a book. Can you tell me a bit about the making yeah, of that book? Yeah, sure. So, um, well, uh, you gave a few words, I believe, Reem, to one of the I chapters. did. I, I, wrote, I, wrote an, I wrote a chapter about the importance of self-determination as a passionate oh, well, I'm, I'm glad laundress. you did, because I, I know that's close to your, your heart, Reem. But yes, we, we've... Um, and it's, it's for sale on the football shop. Uh, we do have... Uh, uh, we've marked our 10-year anniversary with explaining football's history, where we've been, because every year we visit a new overseas territories. We've been to nine of them now, so nine down, seven to go. Um... And it explains, it gives you any potential person listening to this who wants to get involved, do join Fotbot. And, you know, uh, as part of your welcome pack, you will receive a copy of our 10 year anniversary booklet. And please, please do, you know, that we, we, no matter how young you are, how, how old you might feel, or get, there is, you know, as long as you support the overseas territories, we'd love people to get involved, Reem, and join. We are a member, people ask, how does Fotbot fund itself? Well, 30 quid a year, Reem. As a member, that 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 is how we prim primarily fund our activities. Indeed, and of course, we don't. The volunteers aren't paid, so no. um, it's uh, the, we the all costs, have day jobs. Reem. We all have day jobs, indeed. Uh, in my case, at another charity. Yes, <laughs> your charity doubts. I would indeed, say. indeed, indeed, yeah. indeed. Um, so, Philip, just to finish off, could you tell me, you know, what do you see for what doing in the future? I mean, you know, we've obviously, of course been around for 10 years where I, would you like to see football in the next few sort of five to ten years? i would like to see a, few, a, a future leadership team because you know mm -hmm. I, I do think it's important you're not going to be around forever that's it that's <laughs> it um but i would like to see football on basic level we've got four over 400 members let's have 800 in yeah. there 
you know, um, football, doing more media, more journalism. We were great. Uh, we were thrilled to be in the, uh, in the Times about this ridiculous idea the government had of turning Ascension Island into uh, uh, a... Um, immigration centre, you know, it's just not practical on any level, and that cuts across all political persuasions. So, you know, having more of that kind Mm -hmm. of hits, making a difference, uh, we are feeding into, there's a current commission on the, uh, by the House of Commons looking into the overseas territories, so feeding more into that kind of work, and and just, you know, being um, more of a friend to um, to the territories. Indeed. I know I did say that was the last question, but I'm going to ask you one more. In terms of, um, you know, of course, we're, we're looking back at the last 10 years of, of this charity and, of course, looking at the future. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, of course, you can't pick which overseas territory is, 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 is sort of where we need to focus our efforts the most. But in terms of issues, mm. you know, what if mm-hmm. you could tell every policymaker one thing about the British overseas territories, what, what would you tell them? I would tell them today that the St Helena is almost in a crisis situation. The population has dropped. There is huge issues. The average pay there, Reem, is only just over £8,000 a year. Oh, wow. It's not much at all. And I would say the St Helena needs a big focus, uh, uh, focus light. Um, and that's why, as a charity, we're going to look at supporting them. Montserrat, as well, is always a focus like they're still recovering all these years later from the volcano eruption in the mm-hmm. 1990s. Um, so there is there is big work to be done. St Helena and Montserrat are still financially dependent on the United Kingdom. Um, so, yeah, those are the two territories I would particularly highlight at this, this current moment in time. Philip? Thank you so, so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Hopefully I'll get to interview you, you <laughs> at some point, Reem. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll do the same thing for the podcast, who knows. Um, and thank you to all you lovely listeners. If you enjoyed that episode of uh, the Fotbot podcast, then do follow us on your chosen podcast app and look out for future episodes. Thank you. <laughs>